Welcome to episode 121 of the 200 Churches podcast. As church leaders and as, as pastors of small churches, sometimes it's just like, you know what? I've had it. Mm-hmm. I'm sick of it. I, I, I'm just not going to change because the people in my church seem to be quite happy with what we're doing. And what am I, an idiot to just ask to be banging my head against the wall over and over again? But Johnny, you said something a few moments ago. You said that if a person doesn't come back to your church, that that person may also just not be coming back around the body of Christ. Right. And around the message of the gospel, the life of the gospel, and the life of Jesus Christ. And as leaders and as pastors, we don't get an option to quit changing our churches. We don't get an option. Welcome to the 200 Churches Podcast, where every Wednesday we produce a fresh episode of ministry encouragement for pastors of small churches. Now here are two guys who, like you, serve in the trenches of small church ministry, the Oscar and Felix of ministry podcasts, Jeff and Johnny. This is the 200 Churches Podcast. As always, I'm Johnny Craig. I did it. Sometimes I do that, Jeff. You do. You're always Johnny Craig. I You're right. always Jeff. There's and never been a time where I wasn't. My name is Jeff Cady, as usual. <laughs> As you, there has been moments when you weren't Jeff Katie, is what you're trying to say. There have been just a few just when you were few. going incognito. I understand. You know, last month we had Dan the Animal, Ryland, Dan the Animal, on our podcast, and we talked about worship. Yeah, he's back this month, and we're talking about part two. But this is a very, very different conversation. Oh my goodness, totally different. About and I say worship. It's not some. It's about our worship services. It's about yeah. It's about your Sunday morning experience. And if you shuddered because I just said that, I want to say it over again so you stop shuddering. Sunday morning experience. And if you're tired of having to think about what you do on Sunday mornings. You probably just don't want to listen to this episode. Like <laughs> you it, probably should. Well, though. you should, but you probably won't want to. Look, like, I grew just up in a small church. It. I grew up in a small church, and I guarantee you, my dad at no point. And I love my dad. I'm, this is not to dishonor my father. My dad never thought the words Sunday morning experience. Unless he had an accident on the way to church. That's exactly right. That would have been his Sunday morning experience. That we did. There was no thought put into environment. There was no thought put into ex- visitor guest experience. There was no thought put into any of that type of stuff. Pastors, you have a Sunday morning experience. Your church has an environment. You've got a vibe. And it might suck. And if you don't think about your Sunday morning experience, and I'm sorry if this language is too harsh, but it probably does suck. So don't turn this off. You should listen to this. Now, Johnny, you got to know where my generation is coming from. This is the encouraging podcast. <laughs> now, here's, here's, a, here's a short story. All right. <clears throat> a long time ago, oh, that's a in terrible a faraway village. <laughs> short story. The, the name of the village is Factoryville. My wife and I had just gotten married, and our buddy from college was pastoring this little church. Mm. So we said, hey... Let's go to uh, let's go to Richard's church because he's he's my friend. We'll, we'll go to his church. He and Barb and they've gotten married and they they're pastoring this little church. So we go to the church and the church had burned to the ground like a couple months before. Oh, so they were meeting in what they called the borough hall. That's an experience. Yeah. So borough is a different word for town. 
Okay. So it's the town hall, but it's the borough hall. Okay. You go into the borough hall. Not the donkey hall. hall. It's not a right. borough. Borough, yes. <laughs> so you go into the borough hall. It's, it's one main room on the, fr- on the first level. Okay. But there's another level that's underneath the main level. A whole nother level. A whole nother level. Okay. And it is where we would take the children for children's church. Was it like a dungeon? It was. Uh, let me tell you, my memory, <laughs> my memory of this of this space. Oh. We would go downstairs, and I would have to duck my head. Oh no! Going down into, and then there was like a little a little like hallway. I swear there were dirt floors. Did down you have there. to walk past the boiler room yeah, with I'm a sure. shovel some coal in before it, it, you? There wasn't like it. <laughs> it, it wasn't a finished. Ba- it shouldn't have been a finished area. Okay, but we made it that, and there was a table, and there were chairs down there. Very dim lighting, and we would take the kids down there, and it, and it seemed like we also had an adult Sunday school class down there. It sounds like a scene out of the movie Zero Dark Thirty. I'm just gonna say that the catacombs. Yeah, basically. is what it was. Yeah, so. So the Sunday morning experience. That was the Sunday morning experience. Yes. yes. And because we were, you know, good soldiers of the very conservative ilk preparing for ministry, we would have met, you know, in a Roman prison and we would have liked it and we would have sang hymns like (laughs) Paul and Silas. So that, you know, that's. So for us, you know, then we kind of grew through the 80s and the 90s and the church growth stuff, and we started realizing we had to think about the Sunday morning Sunday experience. Sunday morning experience. So in our episode today, we talk with Dan Ryland, who was, uh, what's, I don't know what the term vanguard means, like the, the, the point of the spear? I don't know. The van, you know, he was... Sure. Okay. He was something about the vanguard. <clears throat> okay, let's move right along. He was, everybody look up Vanguard and then email me and tell me what it means. He was at the front end of a lot of this church growth stuff. Right. As he was, you know, partnering with John Maxwell for all those years. And Dan talks to us about evaluating our Sunday morning experience. And he gives, I don't know how many questions. Are there 20 questions here? 15, 20 questions? It's a lot. It's a lot. We'll link to them because we don't talk about them all. They're evaluation questions. Right. If you, I'm telling you, if morning. you legit asked these questions, and I, I don't know what your team looks like, what your worship team looks like. If you got a paid person, if you got a volunteer person, I really don't know. But if you legit asked the question, some of these questions, you would it'd be a totally different ball game for your church. So we're going to talk with Dan, and then we'll come back and we'll wrap things up. Here is Dan, the Animal Ryland. Dan Ryland, you're back with us this month. How you doing? I'm doing great, Johnny. How are you? We're doing good here in Northwest Iowa. Da- Dan, we've given you a new name, by the way. Did you oh, did no. you know this? What what is it, Jeff? I'm afraid. Dan the Animal Ryland. <laughs> the animal. Is that the Muppet playing the drums animal or There what you animal? go, yeah. <laughs> yeah, what animal is that? Perfect. Well, I just said I said this recently, and I don't remember when, but oh, I, no. I said to Johnny, hey, hey, I think it makes anybody more masculine when you call them the animal. I'll take it. I'll take it. All it right. beats this guy. You know what I mean? <laughs> it, it, it beats what? Old guy. Old, old guy. guy. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. It definitely guy. beats old guy. <laughs> Dan, last month we started talking about the worship service with you. We started talking yeah. about you know thinking through the worship service and then how we lead 
right? Our church toward a toward Wasn't and that through. That you and Johnny got in a fight, I think about. Yes, yeah. we did get in a fight. Fisticuffs. Fisticuffs. Well, <laughs> you, you know, Johnny, we Johnny and I have a good relationship that can survive some of those things. But you uh, do. You guys have a great relationship. That that day, I was in a in a little bit of a of a mood, and he pushed mm-hmm. the wrong button. Sometimes I come and I, I start nipping at Jeff's heels, and and. Yeah, then he kicks me in the head, so that's the way it works. (laughs) No, so we're still talking worship. We're still talking about uh, worship, but this is is a pretty practical podcast that we're about to do here. It's called Pay Attention to the Mechanics, And, uh, and the idea here is that we, as pastors, as leaders, we are creating environments, we're creating services, we're creating vibes, if you will. And it's time to pay attention to that fact. We can't just walk through and ignore it because guess what? There's still an environment. It probably just stinks. So you want us to pay attention to the mechanics. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I think for worship, there's you know both sides. We talked about, like you mentioned last time, the, the, the mystery of it all. And this is the opposite end of the spectrum, the mechanics. Certainly not reducing the Holy Spirit to a list. But I think I think excellence is important. Evaluation is important, and I think evaluation is the smart thing to do, because the overall purpose here is to get better as a team. Uh, we we want to serve the people well. We want to represent God well. We want to reach people who are. Let's be really candid. They're they're in a culture where media and tech and and visual and video is. Table stakes, you know, high quality. So we, we want to do a good job. I think, um, guys, it's the only way to stay fresh, be sharp, remain relevant, and, and get better. Ultimately, it helps us reach more people. It, it makes – and this one I, I want us to catch. I think it makes the congregation proud to invite their friends. And I think if we're really fortunate, it makes our work more fun. I would totally agree with that, uh, Dan. I know when, when things are humming and clicking and the teams are working and we're moving forward and things are getting better, that's just a great place to be as a staff member and it's a great place to be as a church. It's, it's, uh, yeah, it's something that we need to constantly be moving toward and something that, like I said before, small churches, even if they don't realize it, uh, you already have an environment, now it's time to tweak it and it's time to move forward in the ways that you just described, Dan. Yep. So, Dan, you've got uh, one of the ideas that you have on here before you get into this list of questions, evaluative questions. You you talk about going to visit other churches that are just a little larger than your church and learning from what they are doing. Have you done this at 12 Stone since you've been there? Oh, my. Many, 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 many times we travel to other churches. We meet we put roundtables together of similar job, uh, you know, portfolios, and we will meet and talk and say during the week, we will also go to other churches through the weekend and sit through multiple worship services, absorbing that, that the vibe, as we say, you know, um, worshiping with the congregation, studying, taking notes, learning. And uh, we've, I've been here 14 years this fall, and 
I can't. I don't think there's been a year where we haven't gone out and visited several churches to continually learn because it's very easy to shrink the kingdom of God and just think your church is the deal. And here's what I know. The kingdom of God is so much bigger than 12 stone church. And I love learning what other people, what other places are doing by literally visiting them and soaking them up as a learner. Yeah. And I would have this question for the pastors who are listening. When was the last time you took some of your leaders out. I, I have that question for me, and I'm not going to answer it publicly because it would be very <laughs> embarrassing. Uh, but that's why we do this podcast, so that we can learn and grow together, brothers. Yeah, so get out, and and you said church is just a little bit bigger than yours. Typically, uh, yeah, we, and we do as well. Just came back a few couple weeks ago from Church of the Highlands, where Chris Hodges is the pastor. And they're actually a lot bigger than we are, but um, and soaked up and learned and absorbed the culture. And we just continue to do that and continue to learn. So I, I encourage pastors to take a Sunday off, take a weekend off, get somebody to cover your teaching responsibility, take your spouse, take a couple of key leaders and <clears throat> go soak up and learn a church maybe a little bit larger or, you know, a little bit larger. Maybe we should define that, uh, Jeff and Johnny, what a little bit larger is. But go and do that, and I think you'll be blessed by the experience. Well, I know that a lot of a lot of pastors, small church pastors, have gone to, you know, Stanley's conferences, to uh, Bill Hybels conferences, to Rick Warren's conferences. That's a little bit larger. It's a little bit larger. <laughs> Just a little. Yeah, it's you, a little bit. You know, you go from 60 people... And you go, and it's just, it's mind-blowing. It's not, you can't do anything with it. You can't. Not, I'm talking not about if a church of a hundred, a church of 50, go visit a church of 120. If you're in a church of 120, go visit a church of 210. I mean, that's the kind of thing I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah, right, right. And right. I think that right there, that, that's worth this whole episode. Pastors. So see you later, Dan. It was great okay. to talk to you. And... <laughs> no, I mean, that's, but that's doable, and you can yeah. get ideas and share ideas, and, and that's reality, too. That's I reality. feel refreshed. When I go out of town and I go to a, friend, a, a church with a friend, it's, it's much larger than ours, but it's you know, uh, something I enjoy doing. And I always feel refreshed going to that church and having a time there. And, and I've come back, and I feel like I have learned some things that will help me at our church, so it's a good it's a good thing to do. After he dumps on me for three hours, I mean, well, you know, yeah. <laughs> well, and the other thing that happens too is when you go out and do that, you also learn what you do well. Yes, and that can be very encouraging. You say, we know there's three things that we got to improve, but there's four things that we really, looking at this church, we really do a good job at, and you can come back and encourage your people by saying. We, we've been spies out into the land, and we've come back with good news. You know, we don't suck at everything. You know, we actually do pretty good here. That's a, that's a good thing to do, yeah, for sure, for sure. I love it. When we get guests and they're like, we went to such and such other churches, and these things didn't happen, and they're happening here. I, I, I do inside say a little cheer for us that we're doing yeah. a good job. Yeah, Dan, you have a list here of, of um, you know, items to look at from your weekend, basically, and questions to ask. Now, before we even get into the list, you say on a scale of one to seven, why, why, why one to seven, not one to ten? <laughs> well, this is a something I picked up a million years ago in a statistics course in college. So you'll have to forgive a little bit of nerd here or whatever. That's okay. <laughs> is that okay? <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, I, I just remember a professor telling me when you have one to ten, you invite everybody to pick the middle of 
five. When you have an odd number, one to seven, you force people to go one side or the other, revealing what they really think. Dan, see, this is why you're here, man. That's, that's G. I love that. One to seven. I'm never making a one to ten again. I'm always one to seven. Well, and all the, all the math people listening to us are saying, well, that wasn't a math class he was in because the middle between one to seven is four. <laughs> okay, I'm going to stifle myself on that you one. You lost me on but, that. But anyway, you see, the, the problem is, Dan, I've got one of my elders is a math is a math teacher. He okay. gets me every time on this stuff, so i got to be real careful. Anyway, the first question, Johnny, the first question. The first question, well, the first question that you have on this list, Dan, is it's, is the parking lot clean and ready? Was the parking team prepared, which for most of our churches, I'm sure there's no parking teams, but basically the ideas are before they even get into your door, what message are you sending? Maybe for your church you can talk about were your hedges trimmed? Was your you know, parking lot, was it clean? Uh, what does your ground look like? What What is it like to walk up into your church? You know, can you handle a little roundup on the weeds growing through the sidewalks, guys? Let's get serious here. And so that's the first question that you ask. And And I wonder, is this still important for a small church? Oh, it's extremely important for a small church, a church of any size. It, it's it's a huge deal, uh, Johnny. It's like pulling into a restaurant or hotel. What do you want to see? If, if you pull into a restaurant and the paint's coming off the door and there's weeds coming up through the – and there's not many cars in the parking lot, I, I'm probably not going to – you know, you go <laughs> – and my wife, because she runs a, a Starbucks cafe, she always – she has this funny quirk. She always looks at the uh, the health number, you know, in the window, the, the, the A card, you know. Oh. <laughs> and and, and she, if it doesn't have a 90 or up, we're not going in. Oh, boy. And I mean, she'll she'll read the card, and and because she knows what it means to score under you know in the eighties sure. and seventies, and so I think people intuitively they they don't pull into those restaurants, they don't pull into those hotels, and people don't pull into those churches because that gives off the vibe. It doesn't matter. They don't care. They're not on top of it, and and uh, uh, so I think it really matters. Dan, another question you have is, were the usher and greeter teams ready, on time, organized, and have all needed handouts such as the bulletin? Now, I want to ask you a question before you even get to this point. How, how important is it that we are keeping open lines of communication? Would you suggest having some sort of usher team meeting every single Sunday and saying, if you're not at this meeting, then you're not ushering this morning almost? If I could redefine that, I would answer yes. If If the definition can be... A five to seven minute huddle. Yeah, sure. Huddle, the... right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. If, if a five to seven minute huddle or what, whatever you, we want to call it, absolutely, because it's the, the the offering might be in a different spot during the service. There might be special elements, or the, the, who knows what might go on in a creative environment. And if nothing else, uh, the ushers huddle and pray for the service. They pray for the message. They pray. Five to seven minutes is plenty. Sometimes five is enough. And and uh, and there's encouragement. There's fellowship. There's a quick prayer for each other. We have teams that will do chants and high fives after that's over. And but they but they get organized. And sometimes they discover they're short an usher. But rather than discovering their short and usher 30 seconds before the service starts, now they know and now they can do something. Now they have a few minutes to go do something about it. Now, Dan, these are these following questions are really good for small churches. Were the first-time guests greeted warmly 
and invited to interact with each other. Well, there might be only one or two of them in a small church. So, so did people interact with them? And that's one of the things that we talked about, you know, things that our church does well is our, our people will, they will, they won't surround them all at once, but one at a time, they'll go to a first time uh, visitor, a first time guest, and they'll, they'll greet them and talk to them and, and just make them feel like, you know, they were noticed, they're cared about. It made a difference that they came. And John Finkeldy was on our, our podcast some months ago, and he challenged pastors to have a little note card in your pocket, uh, which basically says, I want to get to know you, and there's a little spot to write your name and your cell phone number and your email address. And just to have that and actually hand that to first-time people personally as the pastor, if you're in the, if you're in the lobby or at the entrance to the, to the church, just hand it to them and say, hey, uh, I'd like to be able to get in touch with you. I'd like to get to know you better and get that, get that contact information. I thought that was, I thought that was really good. Uh, Dan, for small churches, um, what, what do you think about first-time guests? Do you, I mean, in your church, how do you recognize first-time guests in, the, in large churches? I, you probably don't. I mean, they come in and they're, who would know if they're the first time? Yeah, we, well, it's, it's surprising. You can spot them because they come into a large environment. They look a little lost. They might have a, a tie on. You, you, oh, you can, a tie? No. Yeah. Get out of here. <laughs> Hit the door. You can, you can sort of spot somebody who's lost, but you're right. Ultimately, you, you really don't know. And so we depend on um, our, our guest um, tear off for the bullet in the bulletin. And we try to make something lighthearted and fun. Um, uh, in the announcement, asking the guests, our guests today, to fill it out so we can be in touch with you and serve you better. And it's interesting. There's a, a small percentage that will identify themselves right away, um, and then some it takes weeks and weeks and weeks before they want to identify themselves. But if you think about the profile of the person who likes a large church, they don't want to always be found right away. Yeah. People who like smaller churches want to be found quicker. They have higher expectations of connectivity and warmth. You can lean into that without being bashful at all to be very responsive. I think, and we even do that, we do that here at 12 Stone. We vary our practice of, of follow-up, for example, to first-time uh, guests depending on the size of the campus. At the main campus, we don't call people and by the phone and, and they get an email and an invite to first steps and that kind of thing. But at a smaller, younger campus, we would, they would still do phone calls mm -hmm. because there's a different expectation of familiarity and, and connectivity and closeness at a, in a smaller environment. So we, I would say we want to match, match the method to the size of the, of the group. And for small churches, don't be afraid to be personal. I think sometimes, you know, I, I tend to not, I don't want to be too personal. I don't want to freak somebody out. I don't want to come on too strong. And so I, I almost hang back a little bit. But I think, you know, what you said is right, Dan. A person walks into a small church, they know the size of the church they're walking into, essentially. And they're choosing to be there. And a lot of times, right, they have a friend who's brought them. And so being personal and making that connection is so important. Dan, one of the questions you have is, was there a good flow of communication between teams? Did everyone seem to be on the same page? Now, let's assume there was not good communication, Dan. It was real bad. What is the first thing a small church pastor could do to help this along, to help communication hap happen a little bit better? 
we encourage, and I, I don't want to hope, hope I don't overuse the word huddle, but we do quick stand-up huddles right afterwards. Because I tell you something, we're we're not good at because we're pretty positive um, thinking and pretty upbeat in general, and because we we move kind of fast, things that break or don't work well. Here's what we've learned that we're not good at. We're not good at following up and sitting down and talking about it and fixing what went wrong unless we do it pretty much on the spot. If we'll do it on the spot, a couple of things happen. One, we get it done. <laughs> and secondly, sure. it'll be much faster, much quicker. Memories are, we don't have to remember, well, that's not what happened. And so if we'll have a very quick huddle right after whatever it was, the worship service, whether it's a tech team or the worship or the whole team in a smaller environment. And here's how we would do them. And the, the whole thing could be 10 minutes tops. First, first is thank the team. Paid or volunteer, doesn't matter, can be all volunteer. Thank thank the team for what they've done. Praise them, give them kudos for all that went well. Spend two or three minutes. That was great, that was awesome, that was good. You did a good job, Johnny, you on that. Jeff, that was awesome. Now let's talk about one or two things. Do not let it turn into a gripe or complaint session with 17 things you're not gonna fix. Only talk about one or two things that you actually are gonna work on and improve in the moment for next week. Now, every small church pastor can do this. In fact, this this lends itself better to a small church because it does. You probably got two or three or four people that could get together after you know most people have left and you know you don't have to visit people anymore and just have that five or ten minute. I like the fact because Dan, my memory is terrible, so the next day I'm not going to remember half of you know what happened in the service. So plus you're going to be busy. You're going to be off yeah. doing other things. Exactly. Exactly yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Well, Dan, we're uh, we're running close to time here, so we're gonna we're gonna give you the boot, but we're Uh-oh. also gonna say that we're gonna link to this uh, post of yours, uh, so that uh, there's a lot of questions on here. And if you're a small church pastor, man, just highlight and copy and paste, put Dan's stuff right on your on your computer, print it out, don't even put your name on it, give it to your people. Is that okay, Dan? Absolutely. <laughs> It's good to ask. <laughs> yeah, they, I better ask Dan. Tell them that Johnny and Jeff wrote it. Yeah, Tell them that this go. is our... There no. you go. We'll, okay, ch- we'll charge for this. No. <laughs> this is now a no, paid resource. Got, I haven't counted here, but it looks like about 20 questions. It's a phenomenal list, Dan. It's and, truly... I mean, if you walked through this list, even half of it, you would have so much information that you wouldn't normally have. I mean, it would really help you move to a, a next level in your worship service. And the key here is evaluation. You know, if if we don't evaluate, we're missing opportunities to learn and get better. So that's right. That's right. Dan, thank you so much, and You're we look welcome. forward to seeing you next month. Always fun to talk with you, Johnny. That was Dan the Animal Ryland. Dan the Animal. What do you think? He gave us a he gave us some questions. We got into some of the questions. If you go to the uh, for, to the blog post at 200churches.com for episode 121. Uh, there'll be a link there to Dan's original post on this, as well as all of the questions, uh, all of the evaluation questions. And I'm glad that and he says this in the blog post. I don't remember if we just talked about it in this episode or not, if we or if I read about it. But he said, hey, you know what? You can't, answer, you can't ask and answer all these questions no. every week. I mean, you would spend a couple hours every Monday morning just evaluating the one-hour service you had right. the day before. You'd drive yourself crazy. It, it would be like, 
when you're driving, staring at the five feet of the road right in front of you. You're not supposed to do that? No, no, because you're constantly trying to overcorrect. I and... feel like I've, I haven't been driving the right... No. I, sometimes we have conversations that get me so fired up. And this was kind of one of them. This was kind of one of those conversations because, because I, we talk to small church pastors. We talk about small churches. We talk to small church pastors. Your church doesn't have to be a terrible place for people to be just because it's small. And and I get the, you know, and this is my personal baggage from growing up in a church that did not at any point care about what it would be like for a visitor to walk through the doors. It, well, you treat that visitor like you treat somebody who's been there for 400 years. Like, you you know, you, you got to be able to flip through the crusty old hymn books and find the same page as everybody else. All this different kind of stuff. Look, we're not telling you how to grow your church, but I certainly think that uh, if you have a guest come who doesn't know Jesus, would you like them to think that your crusty old hymnal is what Jesus is like? Would you like them to think that your boring, dusty service is what Jesus is like? Because it's not just that they're not coming back to your church. They're not. They're also getting pushed away from Jesus. Now, that might be too personal. That might not be encouraging enough. I don't think it has to be that way. And that's why when we talk to Dan and he gives us these questions, I think, man, there's something better that is within our reach as small church pastors. And we just have to realize the size of our church doesn't dictate how enjoyable a Sunday morning at our church is. Johnny, last night we sat in a meeting with some people and we talked about change. We talked about changing some of our programming in our church. And we had people in the meeting who had been involved in this programming for literally decades, and others who were just recently to it. And I felt the, I felt the uh, tension in the room at times as we were sharing about new ideas and new things we would like to do and some of the changes we would like to make because we were, we were taking something away from some of the people in the room, some things that they held dear and some things that they you know cared about and and we we were actually having to take some things away and you know you're talking you're talking about we are talking and we have been talking with Dan as well about change sure about change change always involves tension and it always involves maybe hurting somebody's feelings so here's what we do in in our smaller churches and this happens in our smaller churches and and it's kind of like the frog in the kettle where before you before you know it you're literally boiled alive and you don't even realize it we just quit changing right it's too it's too uncomfortable it's too much of a pain in the neck because yeah. when you decide you're going to change something, you get slapped around. You get kicked in the butt. <laughs> you get tripped in the hallway. You get talked about. You get yeah. you get undercut by some leaders in your church, perhaps. Sure. Maybe you get maybe you get whacked on the head by your by your board members. Uh, it, and you know what? As church leaders and as as pastors of small churches, sometimes it's just like you know what? I've had it. Mm-hmm. I'm sick of it. I I I'm just not going to change because the people in my church seem to be quite happy with what we're doing and what am I an idiot to just ask to be banging my head against the wall over and over again. But Johnny, you said something a few moments ago. You said that if a person doesn't come back to your church, 
that that person may also just not be coming back around the body of Christ, right? And around the message of the gospel, the life of the gospel, right? And the life of Jesus Christ. And as leaders and as pastors, we don't get an option to quit changing our churches. We don't get an option. If you've been if you've been doing something for fifty years and it's been working really great and there's some great outcomes from it, man, keep it going. Keep it going. We've got some great outcomes. We've got we've got life change. We've got advancing the kingdom of God. Right. But if you've been doing something for 10 or 15 or 20 years, and at first th- there was a burst of excitement, but now it's, it's kind of lost. Maybe the original people that had the vision are gone, and it's just not, the outcomes are not there anymore. You're just doing it because you do it. Yeah, start asking these kind of evaluative questions. Yes. And, and, and be men and women and leaders who will say, yeah, we have to change. And who will speak into the lives of your people and breathe vision into them and say, we have to change if we love our community and if we love each other and we want to spur each other on to love and good works and also make disciples from people who aren't disciples right now. Change is part and parcel of ministry. And if you're tired of change, honestly, and, and I've been tired of change before, but that's when we're tired of ministry. Yeah, we're not talking about change to change. We're not talking about change just to just to spark things up. We're talking about change for the kingdom of God. And the reality is that every church, mega church, tiny church, every church has things that they are doing that are sucking energy and sucking life out of the church without creating any sort of life change in response and without making any sort of kingdom impact in response. We're talking about changing those things, asking these types of evaluative questions and saying, are we hitting the outcomes we want to hit? Yes or no. Now, Jeff, both of us are pretty fired up right now. I feel bad. This is the encouragement podcast. No. And we just we just laid into these pastors. Yeah. Well, you know what? We just want to encourage you. We just want to encourage you to do a better job. <laughs> we, we, we want to encourage you to, <laughs> to adopt, get, go back to that time. When you were so excited right. and so full of courage and commitment and resolve, when you were resolute to serve God and to love your people and to do whatever it took to, to build the kingdom of God at your church, whatever that looks like, it doesn't, and it doesn't mean you double your church. You, know, it, you might be in a community like ours where if we doubled our church, well, that means we'd be working pretty hard. We could double our church in our community without stealing from other churches. Oh man! But in some in some community, you know, you're never going to double if you maintain just by natural attrition. If you maintain, you're actually building. Sure, you're actually growing. Yeah. So get get some courage. Take these questions. See, because here's Johnny. Here's what I know. The, we were giving him these questions. They're on the the blog post for. Episode 121 yeah. at 200churches.com, they, those are tough questions. They are. And if you print those questions out and you sit and you actually engage them, you're, you're going to run into some headaches. Mm-hmm. You are. You're going to. It's going to be uphill. But this is the job of leadership. This is the job of the shepherd. This is the job of the pastor, of the, of the, the leader of the church. So I want I do want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to 
stiffen your spine and step into the fray and do something and challenge yourself as a leader and as a pastor in your small church. Because again, oh, your small church can make a big difference. Yeah, exactly right. Don't downplay the difference your church can make in your community. You say, well, I've got a little church. I'm not going to, I, we can't do much. Yes, you can do much. Yeah. You can do much. Episode 120, Ryan Purs talked about, you know, the size of your church does not necessarily mean you don't have influence. Right. Right. It's totally true. Totally true. Yeah. We're a little bit, uh, I don't know what got into us. I don't know either. We're fired up. Maybe seriousness for once in our lives. (laughs) Okay. We'll be. We'll be we'll be uh, cavalier we'll be, in our next. We'll uh, be back to podcast. our rosy selves. <laughs> hey, it's so good to uh, to talk to you. It's so good to have you listening. We just want to do a shout out, and I want to do a shout out to just a couple of our listeners: Johnny Johnson, shout out Johnny Johnson, John Hardy, Ken McLean, shout out Ken McLean, Walter McLeod, Ooh, Walter. How about Christine O'Reilly? Shout out. You know, Kevin James. You, you know, you you think Kevin don't... James? Yeah. Like the comedian from King well, of Queens, hey, Kevin James? I'm just saying, you know, <laughs> you never Blart. know. Paul Blart listens to Hey, Pastor That's Blart. Amazing. I love it. Now, Kevin, we're sorry. We're not. We're just kidding around. We're not like <laughs> focusing on you here. But He loves it. But, you know, we, we have your names. We we mostly have it's your creepy locations. How you say that. Yeah, yeah. We can we can get on Google and we could do the deal and you know find you. But we'll be there next week. We just we just wanted to thank you for being subscribers. Thank you for being listeners. Yep. We do what we do for you. And of course, you know, I mentioned him, and then he sent me an email, and so now I got I just got I got to mention him again. Mickey, Mickey V. Mickey, Mickey v. v, shout out Mickey V. He's he's legend here at he's, he, at the Two Hundred Churches podcast. We, you know what? I Mickey, want his will wife. You, to will know. you si- send us a signed headshot? I would love that. I, no, but I want his wife in the headshot too. I want it yes. as a couple. What's your wife's name, Mickey? Let us know. See, because I want his wife to know how important he is to the ministry of Two Hundred Churches. Bas- without Mickey, we're done making these podcasts. That's what I would say. Well, he's kind of our he's our Australian connection. You know, it's like he's the kind of it's like what every John Finkeldy's dead ah, to us. John John Finkeldy, Schminkeldy. <laughs> no, John's just a talking head. No, no, no. Mickey Mickey is like our conduit into the Australian yeah. community. Yeah. So anyway, thanks, Mickey. And thank you, the rest of you yep. who are listeners for listening. And we will be back next week on the Two Hundred Churches Podcast. We hope you've been encouraged and inspired by this episode of the 200 Churches podcast. If you haven't already, subscribe at 200churches.com and receive the guy's free PDF download called Our 7 Favorite Ministry Resources. You can count on us to be back next Wednesday with another brand new shiny episode just for you. Until then, may God bless you as you lead and love the people in your 200 church.